Welcome to Fan Faces with your boy, Amadou. Amadou the Great. And today we have a special host, guest host. Name's John, John Kanu. John is, he's uh, what, what, what you'd call a he-man, <laughs> jack of all trades. He's big as hell. He's in the army. He shoots guns. And he does security. And he stumps out people. Sometimes, not all the time. But, John, introduce yourself. What's going on, guys? Uh, my name is Johnny K. I, um, I'm in the army, National Guard. I was a 92 Alpha originally, but now I'm 11 Charlie. I do uh, indirect mortar fire artillery. And uh, remember, you're talking to people that don't know anything about the army in that aspect. And try your best to project your voice. Have a radio voice. Yeah, so I do uh, indirect mortar artillery, uh, 11 Charlie. That's what the MOS is in the army. I originally switched MOS is because I got tired of uh, sitting in a mortar pool computer. I uh, run security details, and uh, that's what I do. It's my business right there. I wouldn't say I'm too big. He's 22, and he's on his way up. The sky's the limit. But uh, we'll start off first with what's been troubling the country recently. This relates perfectly because, again, you're in the Army, and uh, you use guns. <laughs> and lately, it's I mean, for you, being 18 and being in an army, it's fairly, fairly easy for you to go be able to handle a gun or weapon of any kind and do with it as you see fit. But you're also well trained to use it. But what are your thoughts on the 18 year olds running around right now with guns and causing mayhem in people's communities and dist- killing people's children? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, no 18-year-old should be able to have access to a military-grade weapon unless they're in the military or they are in law enforcement. Um, my thoughts on that is just basically, you know, it's sick for a simple fact that a um, sick individual 18-year-old can get his hands on a rifle. is uh, there, There's an issue in America, big issue. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's an issue per se because mental wellness, you cannot um, legislate mental wellness, right? You really can't. There you go. So I could be 25 and be mentally ill and go get a gun and decide to do some damage. So at 18, depends on your maturity level and depends on your mental wellness. That determines for me in my mind whether or not you're capable of holding a gun. As I told told some other young people around me, you have the opportunity, let's say, um, just because you're you're of legal age to hold something or to do something doesn't mean you know how to handle that circumstance oh, or that situation course. so they could be an 18 year old with a gun fine they're cool with it they could be an 18 year old with a gun with malicious intent and right now in this society the issue that we have is we cannot legislate uh malicious intent we cannot legislate thought we cannot legislate uh uh, uh the human heart or the mind mental wellness so since we can't do that it, it definitely takes a toll on people who, you know, they felt like, I mean, from the understanding of it is every, every one of these people that are causing harm to people because they felt sort of underserved in the community or they felt like they were not in the right space of mind or they felt like people didn't pay attention to them. So they went about and did what they did anyways. So your thoughts on people holding, a, I mean, an 18-year-old, unless they're in the military, shouldn't have a gun. Yes. But there are people on the other side that are saying that. You need if you could fight for your country at eighteen. Why can you not shoot a gun, uh, hold a gun at eighteen? What are your thoughts on that? Well, when I was in basic combat training, there were guys there that were seventeen years old shooting a rifle better than I was. You know, it's definitely we have a really big gun culture, and gun culture is everything. I mean, you got guys in the Appalachian Mountains that've been shooting guns. 
10 years old. I want to say that guns aren't the issue. It's the individual behind the firearm. That's the problem, you know, and I just, I was speaking to my man O earlier and I just want to say like the conclusion we came up to is I don't know if there's really an answer to how can we legislate mental illness? Like you said, how mental wellness, wellness, how can we legislate who to put a firearm in? Because we spoke about it for hours and hours. The country has spoke about it for years and decades on end. How can we really fix you with issue in terms of gun control? Because, you know, I used to think that more guns is the issue to gun control because there's always that quote, an armed society is a polite society because one will have to back his action up with his life. But, you know, that's not true. That's not true at all. Many people have debunked that situation, that concept right there. And I just feel like we should be really careful who we put the firearms in the hands of. Um, well, I mean... It's a scary concept. It, it's it's hard to be careful. Because yes. you could come in, you're completely fine. Oh, for sure. Yeah, here's a gun. Oh, you want it? Yeah, cool. Go ahead, have it. Or you could come in and they could be like, nah, you look crazy. You look tweaked out. You can't have a gun. What? That's discrimination off, based off based off off of biases that we have in a community. Somebody comes in that looks crazy, you can't have a gun. Somebody that comes in that looks normal, yes. you can have a gun, and that could lead down a dangerous path. <clears throat> but what I'm saying is, um, for people in general, since we can't legislate wellness, mental health, it is very, very difficult. It, it, I mean, it, mental wellness is coming up to the forefront now, so things are getting better in that aspect that we're recognizing people will, people with uh, mental Ill, mental illnesses and all that kind of things. But right now, in this particular circumstance, what are your thoughts on the kids that were killed in Texas? My thoughts are that you know I never I don't know the kid that did it. I, I believe he was a uh, Hispanic guy. Um, I heard that he was a transgender. And he was getting bullied a lot. You know, um, we don't necessarily know what's going on in anyone's head. No. We'll never know. And um, it's very sad. RIP to those lives. And, you know, I mourn for them as well and praise for their family. But my thoughts on it are maybe we could have got an armed guard at the front of the school. But, you know, America shouldn't be that society where we have to worry about our kids going to school and we have to be armed. Teachers should be armed. That's not a good society. You do, know? do you feel that an armed guard or an armed teacher could prevent a circumstance of such happening? No, because uh, an individual with a military-grade weapon that is trained and is fast is not able... You, you can't stop him. When you look at the uh, dash cam video of the guy, the, the racist... In Buffalo, in Buffalo. In Buffalo. When the guy that shot up tops, he was so quick. When I was watching that video, he was... Definitely trained how he got out the vehicle. He yeah. put his uh, front door out for coverage. Mm-hmm. And his aim was immaculate. How he got in there, um, took cover for changing uh, magazines. Yep. How quick he was. You cannot stop that. An individual, A trained individual with a military-grade weapon, with a rifle, is not so... And especially if he's fast, you can't stop that. Well, I mean, what other people are saying is, if somebody was there and they had a gun... They could have definitely changed the circumstance no, and situation. Because if I was there and I was an armed guard with a nine millimeter pistol, I would have died because uh, he was so fast and I would have got outgunned. Well, the other thing is they said he had body armor. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that he had body armor because you probably would have tried to shoot him, you know. Yes, in the chest, in the upper area. In the upper area so you could destabilize him. And 
you know, you wouldn't have known that he was... The only was, way to have stopped that gunman was to shoot him from the back. Well, you wouldn't have known that, and you being a security guard. Uh, so back to the ki- back to the kids in school. Kids in school and having one armed guard, let's say one person that's like, yeah, I'm going to protect it, or cops. Don't you think somebody that's up that has malicious intent would pre-plan for that? Oh. And, and for sure. find ways to circumvent that circumstance. Wasn't the guy that shot up tops. He was planning that for months. Months ahead. You know, these these uh, mass shootings, they don't happen just based off of, I'm going to wake up one day and just... I mean, I just feel as if these things are planned. They're evaluated. They scope out the area. Like that guy in Thompson, he scoped out the area. I even read in his manifesto, he went back once or twice. He saw that the armed guard was there. He had this whole thing planned out before he even went there. So just one armed guard in front of an establishment is not going to be able to change someone with with a malicious intent to go in there and kill people with a rifle. Do you think there's a suggestion where, like, you could have a cop car sitting in front of a top's or in front of a school building, you know, instead of going to 7-Eleven. Oh, police detail does wonders. When I run security details at bars, and I have, uh, I had issues at a couple of my bars before, and uh, as soon as I put police detail down there, things have changed. Because just seeing a law enforcement presence there will really make people think twice before they, uh, before they act. What if they had the suicide bombers mentality? When I say that, I mean that. You're like, nah, I'm ready to go, whatever the circumstance may be. I'm going to go in there, wreak some havoc anyways, and whatever, however it plays out, plays out that way. I don't give a damn. I'm just gutting for this. Well, that's the feds, brother. We, the feds should be tracking that beyond before they even make that action. Well, they said the kid in Texas had posted on social media that he was going to go to the school and do what he did. And yet, somehow, nobody did anything about it. Exactly. And that's an issue, right? Someone should be tracking social media. There should be some tracking and regulation on social media in terms of people wanting to commit heinous crimes on others. I know that everyone has this ideology that, oh, social media should just be a free platform. We should be able to say whatever we want. No, if there is someone on social media posting heinous things, then we should be taking paying attention to social media blocks you and puts you in social media jail. But is that enough? It's not enough. Okay. Take more action on that because too many lives are being lost over just uh, neglect on certain posts because words have meaning at the end of the day. They do, especially in this day and age where everybody doesn't feel, I mean, people feel that they need to be heard about everything and every turn. Uh, so... That topic is pretty... Uh, it's a tough topic. It's a tough topic and pretty gut-wrenching for the parents. R.I.P. to R.I.P. to the kids and the people in Buffalo and for the parents in Texas that uh, lost their loved ones and most likely their that young, guy young that child. shot up tops, man, he should have been tracked a long time ago because he was creating manifestos, private forums on social media, just talking with his racist little buddies. They should have tracked that a long time ago, being able to... No, they could have tracked it, but they didn't think he was serious enough because you know how... The other thing is how many people talk about it and how many people actually go out and do it. Just take everything serious. You could... But not everything de- demands that attention. Yes. They could be like, yeah, I'm going to do it tomorrow. And um, nothing- The government has the funding to be able to take care <laughs> of that. And I hope that these um, situations have get an eye open. No, I'm, what I'm saying is they could say, I'm going to do it. Like, you know, kids in, kids in yes. the neighborhood, well, I'm going to kick your ass. And then you're like, do it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, I'll wait tomorrow. And then tomorrow is like, ah, right, we're good again. Slap up. We'll go about right, our business. Right, right, right. 
What if, what if these people, like, let's say you invest your funds in the fact that somebody said something, now I'm going to go get them. You cannot officially charge them with the crime until they've done something. Exactly. With the, and, and plus, the law protects them. They have the right to say whatever you want. And maybe there's consequences, maybe there's no consequences. Just like... Uh, Take freedom of speech too far in America. A bit too far. Well, we, we, we live in a republic. Uh, yeah, like it, a uh, federal uh, uh, republic or something of yeah. that nature. We don't really necessarily live in a democracy, do we? No, no. So people want people people want to uh they want their freedom of speech protected want their speech protected want their rights protected but at the end of the day they also want to have the luxury of you can protect my speech but i also need to say whatever i want and get away with whatever stupidity that i've said and however the outcome is and get away with it scot-free but in today's day and age hopefully some way somehow we could find a solution to take the things that are serious serious enough and the things that could you know stricter gun control stricter gun laws harsh regulations no 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 that won't work they had prohibition what did people do oh they became uh bootleggers there you go yeah went to kennedy's big bootleggers that's how they got their money so you have prohibition people became bootleggers you uh, uh prohibition on marijuana people were selling it and people went to jail because you know uh i used to think that you know, more guns is going to fix the issue, but you can never essentially fix this situation because at the end of the day, you know, the people with heinous attempts don't care about gun law. Just understand the pendulum swings both both ways, right? If you have more guns, then there'll be more guns in the street and people could do whatever they want with guns. And like, I could have a gun. Personally, I am not a fan of guns, not even to protect myself. I have shot a gun. I've shot a couple. I'm just not like, ooh, I must shoot more. I yes. like shooting. It's not my thing. I Well, I enjoy it. I love it. I love but shooting. the moment I shot the gun, I realized, wow, this is really, really dangerous. It's, it's a death really, machine. It's ridiculously dangerous. Imagine you standing up over the target range and they're just shooting at you and just mm-hmm. ripping your body apart. I've shot M29s. I've shot rifles. I've shot pistols, shotguns, and uh, well, uh, the first time I ever shot a firearm, I've learned that this thing is not something to play with. It may be in your nature. It's not my nature. My nature is just leave them alone. But for the people that love to have them, give them the opportunity to have them. But for the people that don't want to have them, then you also have that freedom of choice at of this moment in time. But there's no way. The only way is if we get better mental health help to the people that need it. Oh, mental wellness is everything. Yeah. So if we can find a way to keep up with that. Yeah, but how? How can we do it? That's a that's a difficult question. That's the biggest question in the world. It's not how strict you are with gun control. It's how many people you can help mm-hmm. not feel the way they feel. Feel like they're left out, so they have to get seek justice, seek revenge, yes. get back people. You have to get to that phase in life and that moment in life where everybody is like, hey, people are well enough to, you know, get along in society. Let's get along. Mm-hmm. But uh, that topic, we've beaten it dead. And uh, on to the other topic here. John is also a bodybuilder, an, as- an aspiring bodybuilder, correct? Yes. Okay. I lift weights, but not, you know, <laughs> not a silverback gorilla style. <laughs> so what what... what what drew you to want to get some muscles and get big? 
um, growing up, uh, what honestly inspired me to start getting big is, you know, everything I took a step in was because of my older brother, mm-hmm. Abdul. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father used to have these 40-pound dumbbells in the basement, and uh, Abdul would always pick them up, make them look easy. He would do it every time, and uh, uh, I just want to do the same thing, you know, and Abdul was getting huge. He went to college for like a year and a half, came back, Mandem came back huge, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, how did he do that? And I want to do the same thing. And uh, anything my older brother want to do, I want to do. I remember a distinct memory uh, to track me. He was running a four by two. He was burning everyone. Abdul Conte, just burning everyone. You know, I want to do the same thing. And I remember like a year later, I was doing the same thing in front of my little brother. So <laughs> I just wanted to, I, I have a big faith in terms of uh, brotherhood and following the same path. And mm-hmm. seeing Abdul being able to lift the weights, putting up, doing calisthenics, running fast, I want to do the same thing. So that's what really got me into bodybuilding, just those old, sturdy pound, 40 pound dumbbells in the basement that my dad used to lift. Seeing Abdul lift, I want to do the same thing. So that's what got me. Yeah, just putting them up, you know. I just thought it was amazing to do that. So that's what got me into bodybuilding. But I really got deep um, in college because in college, they were uh, feeding us four meals a day for free. Not necessarily for free, but, you know, I got it's available because it's available. So uh, I'm eating four meals a day. I'm going to the gym twice a day, once in the morning for track practice and uh, once in the afternoon for track practice. I'm lifting weights. I'm pushing weight, you know, and, you know, it built my He's body not pushing weight. He's lifting weight. Yeah. Different circumstances. Yeah, yeah. I'm not pushing weight. Uh, yeah, I work for the government. No pushing weight over here. I, um, I'm putting weights up and... I think what really got me into bodybuilding was Abdul, and I just wanted to surpass him every day. Well, sure. <laughs> you definitely did. What is he now, 205? He's like 205 right yeah. now. Yeah, and I, you, I'm, I'm cutting yeah. right now. So yeah. I'm 232. Originally, Two, 245 a month ago. Freaking crazy. My Me, when I was younger, we had dudes, big dudes in Africa, in Sierra Leone. We were both from, well, your parents are from there. I was from there. I was born there. So I had... um. Um, I we had dudes like big old dudes. Yeah. They were jacked. Oh, West African genetics or something different. Man. So they were so big. I was like, man, what I wanted to do initially, I was like, I wanted to be buff as hell and be in the military. Cause I, in my mind, he man, that's mm-hmm. just be a manly man. That's what I wanted to do. Be a manly man. Testosterone. Exactly. Yeah. My grandpa was also jacked, so I was like, I want to be like grandpa, mm-hmm. cause grandpa's big as hell. I was like. Check. And then I came to the United States in 97. And then after when I came in, right, I was like, I mean, I was young, so I didn't start really lifting weights till I was in ninth grade. In ninth grade, we, you could go to the gym after school. Yeah. So I went to the gym after school. Just, you know, messing around and doing sports. Did soccer, did wrestling, but you don't have to be big for soccer, but wrestling, it helps to be strong. So. Oh, you got to be hockey in wrestling. That was, that was good. So I needed that. John, uh, your weight, your weight, your bodybuilding journey, your weightlifting journey. Where's that taking you so far? Where, where do you see? I mean, where, where you at now, and where do you see yourself in the future? Well, I, I was little dude a long time ago, and everybody knows that. And you know that really. He was a bunny rabbit. Yeah, very I, hyper. I, I was a small guy, and uh, I just get picked on a lot. So my biggest ideology was, yo, maybe if I get big, nobody will talk, nobody will mess with me. You know, so and it's kind of worked a little bit. But um, my bodybuilding journey was just. You know, I got a trainer. His name is Andrew. Uh, I met him bouncing one night, and uh, he basically just took me under his wing. And I'm going to keep training as hard as I can after I'm done with this cut. And um, we're going to try and hop on stage soon enough. We're thinking about either me powerlifting 
or hopping on stage as a bodybuilder. And then by the age of, let's say, 27, 28, I'm going to be done because bodybuilding is not a healthy sport. It's not something I tell anyone to do. It takes years off your life. It's not healthy to lift the amount of weight and put the pressure on my body that I'm doing now. Yesterday, I deadlifted 405 for like six, seven repetitions. You know, the human body should be doing that. I dumbbell pressed 100 pounds, 100 pound dumbbell, 10, 11, 12, 15 repetitions, just putting pressure under my body. But it's it's not a healthy thing to do. So at the age of 26 to 27, I'm going to be done and put a new chapter in my life and see how far it takes me. Hang up, hang up your hat. Yeah. Go find another hobby or just like bring on people to train. Yeah, I'll train people. Train people. Yes, sir. Give them that motivation. Give them that little fire. Oh, training people is hard, man. I, you know, the, I, I'm talking to this girl right now. And she's a personal trainer and she tells people, you know, it, you, you can't necessarily train people to be motivated. They have to go in there motivated themselves. And me, I feel like I have a, uh, I don't want to say short temper, but if someone's not willing to go in there and put in the work, I'm not going to necessarily put in the work for them. But no, I mean, it's their body. So how possibly are you going to put in the work for them short of motivating them? Oh, I get mad in the gym. If someone's not pushing themselves to the point where, you know, uh, the failure, that makes me upset because you're not, you're not, you know, it's a shame that to not see what a young man can be able to do in strength. In this day and age, woman or man, not just man. Woman and man, it's a shame to see what they can't do when they're young because human nature is cruel. We talk about Ronnie Coleman every day. Ronnie Coleman, you know, he decided to live like a lion for 30 years and now he's living like sheep. He put his body through extreme pressure. Uh, He deadlifted 800 pounds. He could barely walk now. Right before contest. So... Uh, it, it's definitely a different lifestyle, and uh, I don't really tell people that they should oh, do it. Another thing, you're African in the bodybuilding space. Yes. Right? How do you feel that's different from the other bodybuilders? Oh, people tell me every day, oh, you just got good genetics. You got a good frame. You can chest press 130 pounds. Oh, it's because you have good genetics. Uh, being African in this bodybuilding uh, environment is always genetics is genetics that it, it's the europeans they don't seem to uh understand that they can do the same thing i can the strongest man in the world is like from iceland or something of that nature i think it's eddie hall or thor johnson so well what they're meaning to say if i'm getting this right is it's easier for you to do the things that you do they have to work to get to do those to do those same things on your level which is nonsense put in the work i'll work everyone shouldn't be easier for anyone go in there Put up the weights. Naturally, our muscle fibers are way stronger. As West Africans, right? Yes, naturally. So, they're technically right. But then again, starting from zero, everybody starting on the baseline zero, everybody has the same opportunity to get to that level that they want to get to. Yes. But it is technically easier for the African-American or the African male to... Put on oh, muscle. I hear it all the time. Basically, when I'm at, a, I go to Samson's Bodybuilding Gym as well, every uh, two days a week, and mm-hmm. uh, these guys tell me like, um, you know, being black is basically being on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you ha- you, ha- you have a little pep to your step, and you're a little f- quicker to yes. to do things. And it's uh, when it comes to lifting heavy weight, you could not lift it, be able to lift it today, and then the next day, go ahead and put them up. Yeah. So technically, they're right, but. All the same, they also have the same 
privilege of being able to go in and working. And it just upsets up. me, you know, because don't discredit my hard work. That's the only concept. I get into it with all the time with those guys in the gym. Like, you know, don't discredit my hard work because I have good genetics. Oh, well, it's not my fault. You know what I mean? It it's is, up to it, you it, to it figure it out. Uh, no, I mean, it's all good. They they see things out as they see them. And it's definitely to your advantage that things are working out this way. And what, you're 22 now, so in five years, you plan on hanging up your bodybuilding. What are your plans after bodybuilding? What is it that John is like, I want to do this? Oh, I, wanna... I want a civil service job. Uh, do 20 years in civil service and just be done. Um, because civil service, they'll take care of you. Whether it's retirement, medical, you know, and we got a medical issue in America, so I need that medical insurance ASAP. Don't, you don't have a medical issue in America. Imagine you go to a country <laughs> where. Uh, I mean, in America, if you get a you get an EMT, you know, you faint. What are you like thousand dollars in debt? No, not really. If you have insurance, you're good. Right. If you don't have insurance, it's expensive. Oh, yeah, you're screwed. There's countries where ambulances don't go anywhere. They yeah. don't take you anywhere, and then oh, yeah. you know, and. Hospitals are closed, so mm-hmm. you definitely got a better situation here. But I just want to take you know, care of your health. Yeah, take care of your health. Um, anyone that's inspiring about bodybuilding by the age of thirty, just hang it up and uh, you know save your life. It's not healthy. And um, I want to get a civil service job and keep running my business. And just take it day by day. What is your business? Uh, I uh, run security details uh, under the DBA of Kanu Safety. I also have an LLC named uh, A and K Safety with uh, my uh, best friend Andrew. So we run security details at different bar stops. You know, that's what we do right now is our business. And uh, I just want to continue doing that and get a civil service job and maybe start a family one day. Who knows? You, you, you have you have limited amb- ambitions. The sky's the limit. You could have more than a civil service job. You could, you, you could be the top dog everywhere, anywhere. But you, you have to go to school for that. Yes. So keep that in mind. You could have all the civil service jobs you want. But if you want to, like... Get that job that pays. Yeah. But you have your business as well. But if you want to get. I'll probably do three more years in the military and I'm done after that. They want to entice you for more money? Oh, they've been enticing me already. I I folded for the money. But three more years and I'm done. Uh, Got a lot of pressure on my back carrying those heavy workshops. Brother, you're not alone in that aspect. It's not easy. But we all get enticed by the money. They're like, ooh, here's an extra $10,000. You're like, thank you. Easy money. College will always do it. Huh? And you get the opportunity, so now is your opportunity to take on all the privileges they're going to give you, and uh, that's good. And I feel like since I'm young, I might as well do everything I can do now. You are. You're young. You get the opportunity to... It's nice when you're young to have money. You can do a lot of things you want to do and have fun with it. But uh, that's the end of our show today. John's been a great host, co-host. Appreciate it. And uh, this episode today was uh, sponsored by Final Cuts Media and 19 Strings for the Harp and also Canoe Safety and A&K Safety. Thank you. Guys, catch us, catch up on episodes at uh, wherever pla- whatever platform you stream podcast of uh, podcast episodes at of uh, fan faces and uh today only for amadou amadou the great we're out see ya catch you later thank you thank you, thank you.